Good morning, kids. It's great to talk with you this morning. Uh, we certainly miss seeing you kids in person. Uh, like everyone else, we're looking forward to getting back to church when we can be together and uh, might not be able to give each other hugs right away, but at least be able to see each other, see your smiling faces. I hope you're all doing well. So this morning, I want to share a message with you, and it's about us. When we come to know Jesus and ask him in our hearts, he makes us very much like this shiny new penny. Cleans us up, all those bad things in our hearts. He just cleans them right up and makes us like we're new, really. And But you know, sometimes, over time, we start to do some things that aren't so much like Jesus. And maybe we tell a lie, maybe even a small lie, right? Maybe mom asked you to clean your room and you said, oh, mom, yeah, I cleaned my room. I took care of that. But really all you did was put a couple of toys away and then went out to play. So you didn't really do what mom asked, right? Or maybe at school you had um, some kids and you didn't, weren't really nice to them. You're kind of mean. You know, little by little, sometimes we make choices in our lives and we go from the shiny, clean heart that Jesus gave us and all of a sudden starts to look like this, like a dirty old penny. So what do we need to do at that time? You know, we see ourselves and we're thinking, oh, that's kind of yucky. I think I need some help. So sometimes... We try to fix it on our own, don't we? We think, well, I'll just try to do something nice to make up for the bad things that I did. That's like taking this dirty old penny and just taking a toothbrush and scrub, scrub, scrub. Nothing changed, did it? So we try to do nice things and good things and try to fix it on our own. But you know what we really need? We need Jesus to take care of this. And he made a way to clean up our hearts. We're gonna put this in this jar and we're gonna spin it around. And this is kinda like what Jesus does when we ask him. First John 1, 9 says that if we, <clears throat> excuse me, confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So we don't need to work at it. We don't need to scrub, scrub, scrub by trying to do good things. Good things are great, but those don't clean our hearts. Good things come because our hearts are clean and because we love Jesus. So we need to come to Jesus. We need to confess our sins. That means to tell him what we did, to let him know that we know we did something that was wrong, something that was naughty, something that wasn't what God would have us to do. That's what it means to confess it, to agree with God that it wasn't right. As we spin that in there, spin that for a while, before you know it, once again, we look all clean and shiny. Why? Because Jesus forgives us of our sins. 
He said he's faithful and he's just. Faithful means that he will do it. He keeps his word. And just means he'll do it in his way. He forgives us, not according to what we've done, not according to whether or not we deserved it, but he's just because he died for us. He gave his life for us. And that's his promise is that he will also forgive us when we come to him. Let's pray this morning, children. Father, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness, that you are a just God, not based on man's standards or ideas, but on your goodness, on your love, on your grace. Thank you that when we come to you, that you clean our hearts, God. You do what we cannot do, taking away all of our sin, all of our unrighteousness, all of those things that aren't the way that you'd have us to be. You clean our hearts again and help us to look more like Jesus so that we can act like Jesus too. I thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. But uh, So how about we get somebody to uh, offer a prayer and get us going this morning besides me? Come on, Richard. Yes, Lord. No, Rick said he would. Awesome. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we continue to thank you for the blessings that you have placed on this congregation. Each and every one of us are indebted to you and want to recognize the love you have shown for us. We ask that you bless this country. Help us through these trying times that we are currently involved in uh, with the uh, demonstrations and the riots and uh, this uh, pandemic. And we know that you are with us and you're watching over us, and we ask that you continue to do so, dear Lord. We ask that you allow us to partake in this church service and, and learn more about you and to grow in your love. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. 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 Okay. Well, I think it's uh, incumbent upon pastors uh, to speak to the issues of their day, because after all, part of the reason we gather uh, around the word of God is to get a sense of what God would say to us. Um what his will is for our everyday lives, right? Issues that we go through every day, uh, things that we deal with personally. And since we as the church seek not only to follow after Jesus Christ, uh, but to represent him in the world, it's important that we know what and how he thinks so that we can, as Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. So, the issue of racism in America is long and very complicated. There is just no way uh, that I can adequately address it on a Sunday morning. Uh, but what I can address is what I believe to be the root, not only of racism, but a whole host of other problems. 
Uh, let me start out by by being very, very uh, vulnerable with you uh, this morning. Years ago, actually before we left this area to go to Ohio, uh, our church was having a prayer service. The pastor had called for a prayer service. And I'm up on the piano uh, kind of doing uh, a song in between. There'd be several prayers, and then we'd sing a song, and then some more prayers, and then we'd sing a song. And it was just a time that we came to pray for our nation, to pray for the church. And uh, so we're, we're, we're going along, and things are going good, and, and people are, are just crying out to the Lord. And then somebody prayed about this very issue, uh, racism. And not only in the country, but but racism even within the church. And I can remember, I'm still kind of, you know, tickling the ivories in the background. I'm thinking, well, that's not me. I would love to have people of all races come in this door and be a part of this. <laughs> I will never forget the still small voice of the Lord coming to me in that very moment. He says, yes but you still think you're better than they are. Oh my goodness. That's, that's how you know it's the Lord. You know, that's not something I would have done myself. Amazing how he speaks, but man, what a dagger to my heart. I finished up that, that, that song in the background and I just, I hit my knees at the altar and I said, God, there is no place for that in my heart. There is no place for that in me. God, you need to do a work in me. And, and I, could, I could talk about how I grew up and attitudes and this, that, and the other thing, but you know, th there comes a point that we need to own our own thoughts, our own attitudes. And uh, experts tell us that attitude is a choice. And uh, so we need to be able to take a look into our hearts and see what kind of attitudes reside there, things that, that may go deeper. I mean, on the surface, here I was, you know, somebody that just loved everybody. But the Lord was going down deep. He was going down under the surface and says, Ron, there's something there that you need to understand. Uh, so let's look uh, at what the Lord nailed in my heart. Well, look, think of that phrase, you think you're better. What is that? It's pride, isn't it? And pride, biblically speaking, is the opposite of love. Let me show you what I'm saying. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? What did Jesus do on the cross? He gave his life a ransom for all, 1 Timothy 2. Love gives. The action of love is giving. Love is all about you. Doing what I can for you. Pride. What is pride? Pride is all about me, right? God, the scripture tells us, is love, right? God is love. His will is love. And when we act contrary to God, we sin, right? What is the center of that word sin? It's I, isn't it? 
Think about it. How did sin come into the world? When Adam and Eve decided, I can be as all-knowing and as all-powerful as God. I can gain that ultimate status for myself, right? What is it? It's all about me. And who put them up to it? Right? The serpent, Lucifer. Uh, look, look at this prophetic passage in Isaiah 14, beginning of verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I, 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 I. Right? Do you see the contrast? Pride is the opposite of love. Love's all about you. Pride's all about me. The essence of sin is pride. And it's the root of all evil. Now, now, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say that the love of money is the root of all evil? No. Actually, it says that it's a root of all kinds of evil. But think about that. What is the love of money? It's me. I want. I want. I want. More for me, right? Same thing. So right from the start, when uh, after, after the flood, after things start all over again, God chooses a people for himself. And, and when he chooses this people for himself, he, he gives them his law. And what is the giving of the law for? The giving of the law is to say, here, here is the way it should be. Take a look at what you're doing compared to this. Look at how you are no longer walking in harmony with your creator, how you're walking outside of the will of God. So God begins to give these laws, right? There's commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't, don't say somebody did something that they didn't do in order for you to gain, you know, from a bribe or whatever. What are these? All of these are actions that put me over you, aren't they? That make me more important than you. That make my wants more important than you. What I want is the deciding factor in these decisions, in these actions. It's all about me. And then you get to the last commandment, and the last commandment, don't covet. Right? What is that? That addresses the pride on the inside that drives all the other actions. The want for what someone else has. The want for the glory. The want to be above. The want for power. The want for fame. The want and, and step on anybody, you know, in, in the throes of, of getting what I want, what I deserve. It's all about me. And then comes other instructions, right? Beyond the 10, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. What's he saying? Elevate your neighbor to the same status as your own self is in your mind? They are just as important as I am. 
Mm. Other other instructions, be generous with the poor. Help those that are weak or being oppressed. You see, it's all about you. What if the world actually lived like that? What if the world lived in harmony with God, in the will of God, in the love of God, right? Everybody with a commitment to looking out for each other. Would we even have a race problem? Would there ever have been one involuntary slave in this country to begin with? No, right? So that's that's general principles. Right. We, we, we see who God is, what God's plan for humanity is. That we would be like him. And be givers. All about you rather than all about me. You know, when you and I come into genuine faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we're born again that we become new creations. If you remember the picture illustration from a a few weeks back, Kool-Aid comes in from the outside and it colors and flavors what's on the inside, right? God's Holy Spirit comes into us when we're born again and he flavors us, right? With what? With himself, with love, with a desire to give, to value, to bless, to elevate, right? Let's go back to that passage in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he lives in us. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He didn't count equality with God something to be great. He didn't pull the God card. He didn't highlight his own importance to be worshipped and to be served. He said, I've not come to be served, but to serve, right? If anybody, whoever walked this earth, had the absolute right to think that they were better than the next guy, it was Jesus, right? And yet he spent his time doing all that he could to help the next guy, to find life, to find truth, to find God. And it ultimately cost him everything. Let's ask ourselves this morning, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be born again? It means that you and I let Christ's mind be in us. It means that our whole approach to life, our whole worldview is about you and not about me. Now, it's interesting when we look at the kingdom of God, right? Bible talks about the kingdom of God. You and I are are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. We come into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is where God rules 
and reigns. It's where God's will is done, right? So you and I acting, again, in harmony with God, loving, serving. And when we do that, Jesus said, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? All these things will be added unto us. In other words, God says, when you take care of my business, I'm going to take care of your business. You don't have to say, I'm looking out for number one. When we look out for number, well, when we put other people as number one, let's put it that way. When we serve, when we bless, when we seek to elevate, when we reach out to the poor and the needy, when we look at those that are oppressed and do what we can to help, when we see people who are neglected, we, we come alongside them to be their friends, right? That kind of a thing. When we do stuff like that, God says, I'm going to take care of you. Now, really, who who, who can do a better job, (laughs) right? The sovereign of the universe or us trying to get our own way, trying to, to get what we want, right? Our whole approach to life. It's about the other person. It's about love. You know, it's awful hard for me to think that I'm better than you when I am actively looking for a way to support you or encourage you, right? You know, we may not be able to single-handedly affect the problem of racism in America, but you and I, those of us who continue to receive the unconditional love from God. We can, by our attitudes and our actions, with the mind of Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can value the human beings around us, and we can model that to the rest of the world, can't we? We're not responsible for the whole world. But we can value the people in our sphere of influence, can't we? Each and every one. You know, Paul had this phrase that he would use concerning the gospel. He said this, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, the Jews were those who already had a large part of the revelation of God, didn't they? They had the prophets, they had the law, they had all of this that pointed to Messiah. So naturally, it needs the message needs to go there first. It's the completion of everything that's been built up. And then the message goes uh, out to the Greeks, out to the rest of the world, right? But it's got to start somewhere. Likewise, in all of this, we need to start somewhere. And I think that's why God gave us this thing called the church. Uh, People say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I say, yeah, but you have to you have to be a part of a church to live like one. (laughs) Because this this is our training ground. This is where we learn how to get along and elevate people 
when we don't agree, when we rub each other, we're people. We're going to rub each other the wrong way. We're going to sin against each other. We're going to say things. We're going to do things that are insensitive. We're people, right? But this is where we have the, the opportunity to put our faith, our real faith, into practice. What does our real faith look like? What does following Christ look like? Loving one another. But even before that, can I say this? I think it starts in the home. Let's, let's, let's ask ourselves questions. Does my home, like my little universe, revolve around me? Or do the people around me feel valued, cared for? Are my thoughts and my actions primarily centered around my well-being, my desires, my comfort, my plans? Do I find that I am most often upset because I don't feel valued or I don't get my way? If that's the case, we need to ask Jesus for a new pair of glasses because we've got eye trouble. Ay, 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 right? Like the Lord did with me and continues to do with me, we need to look in our hearts and say, am I really practicing what Jesus preached? Am I, am, am I embracing the central message of the gospel? Am I loving? Am I serving? Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. It starts in the home. It moves to the church, right? Our training ground. Uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of good things going on in our church, don't we? We've got a lot of wonderful things that we see over and over again. I see people reaching out to others in need. Um, I see people giving generously out of their time and out of their resources. I see people coming out of the woodwork when there's uh, a, a need. We put together a funeral dinner like that, you know, and just just people and, and more food than and, and people come in from the outside and they go, wow, you know. So, yeah, we've got a lot of good things going on in our church. Praise God for that. It's wonderful. But let's be honest. We got some room to grow, too, don't we? I do. Romans 12:10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Showing honor. Gary Smalley, I, I quoted him one of my blogs this week. He even points to the Orientals, you know, when they when they enter a room and they they bow you know, showing honor to the other person. I bow in your presence, right? They've got something there that I, I think we've we've lost uh, sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes. Um, you know, Jesus focused his attention on the least. 
I, I have asked myself, do I categorize people in the church? Do I say to myself, well, I need to buddy up to these people because they're, they're important or they're like me or, or I need to focus on them and, and put others in a lesser category? Have I ever done that? These are things that we need to seriously look in our hearts and consider. And again, looking at the life of Jesus, what did he do? He focused on the least and the last and the lost, right? Leaving the 99 and going after the one. You know, showing one another in our words and our actions, hey, you're important to me. Your concerns are important to me. Your opinion is important to me. You, know, you and I are getting ready, hopefully very soon, to begin to open our church doors, right? What, what, what is that about? We're opening our doors to the outside world. We, we, are, we, we are the church. We are, are, are those that are, are following Christ. We are opening our doors to the world. We are saying to them, come in here. Come in here for what? Come in here and see that Jesus is real. And how are they going to see that? Over and above, what did Jesus say? By this will all men know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. By how everyone is valued. By how everyone matters. And not just on paper, right? We can we can put it in our on, on signs. We can put it in our our vision statement. We can do all this stuff. But when it comes to it, are we letting each and every member of our church know you matter to me? Now I know that there's there's other things going on. People that that send cards you know the minute that they hear that somebody's got a, a problem they send cards they pick up the phone right i have heard testimonies of just you know how when i had this issue how people responded to me it's wonderful wonderful but as john says to the church do it all the more do it all the more who haven't we thought of lately Right? Who haven't we prayed for lately? Who who seems to be those that have all kinds of friends in the church and who seems to be those who maybe not so much, right? See, if we get it right in the church, we get it right in the body, we get this thing flowing at 50, 60, 70, 80%, right? And we're, we're, we're dealing with, uh, when issues come up, we're, we're doing the Matthew 18 thing. We are committed to re reconciliation. We're committed to restoring relationships. We're committed to talking things out and, and committed to one another over committed to me and what I want. When we have that thing going on a large scale, you have any idea how attractive that is to the rest of the world? 
because they're not seeing it anywhere. They're not seeing it anywhere else. And, I, and, and this, you know, it, it's not for show. It, it is being shown, but it's not for show. These are the kind of things, again, that we need to get in the depths of our hearts before the Lord and say, God, am I being conformed to your image? Am I truly a servant? Am, am I looking out for the welfare of others? Or, Lord, do I, and, and my hands up, do I, Lord, sometimes use relationships with other people for my gain? Amen. When we get it right in the body, in the church, and then we take that out into the world, we are going to make a difference. Let's show this world who Jesus is every day in how we honor other people and how we value other people. How we show every human being created in the image of God, and that's everybody, that they matter. And let's start that fire as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you showed us. Demonstrating that love, Lord, as your word says, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, help us. Even as we go into communion this morning, realizing that Christ's body was broken for us. May our flesh, Lord, may our I, I, me, me be broken for others so that you are exalted, so that you are glorified, so that others, Lord, are drawn to you, drawn to your love. Oh, God. Have your way in our hearts. Live in us, Lord. Get big in us. As John said, he must increase, I must decrease. Lord, let that be our prayer today. So that we can make a difference in our corner of the world. Thank you. And we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you have your communion elements with you. If not, you can uh, just follow along in your heart. But that's one of the things that we see with Jesus's body that the Bible says, uh, this is, Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. It was his life. It was uh, that which represented his I, if you will, capital I, me, I'm laying that down for you. And as we partake, not only are we thankful, thankful, because we didn't have a chance in this world. We are thankful that his body was broken for us. But in that same vein, as we receive that into ourselves, let's receive that 
attitude. Let's receive his heart this morning so that wherever we go, whatever we do, say, Lord, may I be broken for the world. May I be broken for my family. May I be broken for the church. May I be broken for the people in my workplace, those people that are difficult to get along with, Lord, and you know it. May I be broken for them so that you, Lord, when when I'm broken, may you spill out and draw people to yourself. You said, Lord, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Let that be our heart this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. Thank you for your mercy when we didn't deserve it. God, I hear that that prayer in my mind for what we are about to see receive make us truly grateful. God, our gratitude resulting in our own grace to others. Jesus said, as often as you would do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together, the symbol of the Lord's broken body. And the cup, the cup. Thank God for the cup. Thank God for the cleansing. Thank God that when when we search our hearts like that, when we see things in us that, that maybe aren't lining up, and we say, God, can you root that thing out of my heart? Thank God for the cup of cleansing, the cup of forgiveness, the cup that means fresh start, right? The cup that means forgiveness, the cup that means the past is gone, the cup that means we start from here. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, as often as you would partake, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Symbol of the Lordship. Others, Lord, others, let this my motto be. Let us live for others that we might live for thee. Amen. Amen and amen.